0: Welcome and thanks for listening. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. Together, we will examine essential questions so you can cultivate a deeper connection to your true identity and help others do the same. This is Personal Power for the Common Good. Change your life, change the world. Welcome to Personal Power for the Common Good. This is the podcast where we explore the bonuses and the barriers that come with each stage of human development. We find ways to sidestep those barriers on the way to authenticity and learn how to help others do the same.
1: This podcast episode is dedicated to a role model for millions of people. Known as America's favorite neighbor, Fred Rogers dedicated his life in service to children and the wonders and innocence of childhood as a public television show creator, writer, puppeteer, and of course, the host of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. His nonprofit company, Family Communications, Inc., will continue to share his legacy forever. I'm Stacey Randall shaheen an adult educator and human rights advocate. I am here with my good friend, colleague, and coach, Diana Amelia-Reed.
0: Hi, I'm Diana Amelia-Reed, I'm a college and career advisor, social justice advocate, and personal transformation coach. Stacy and I are delighted to have you with us for this, the 7th episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. We we're glad you're here. Personal Power for the Common Good is a
1: podcast for everyone. Everyone who is in a relationship, connected to other people. It's for anyone who gives care, to a child, a friend, a parent or elder, a neighbor, personally or professionally. And it's for those who want to give care to themselves. So our target audience is Y-O-U, and by extension, anyone whose life you touch. This episode is brought to you by Shine, the Mindset Mastery Workshop Series that helps you become the you that you are meant to be.
0: In the first 12 episodes of this series, Our podcast is focused through the lens of eight key developmental stages, a framework created by psychologist Eric Erickson. These stages start with infancy and they progress right through to our final days. In episode six, we discussed the impact on 10 to 13 year olds experiencing the early phases of puberty, that swirl of confusing emotions developing hormones, and these things that impact the body, mind, and spirit. Now, this age range is actually the latter half of Erickson's industry versus inferiority stage. Older kids start to become more competitive than their younger selves and judge themselves more and more by what other people think of them. If they successfully navigate these years, Erickson believes children develop a a virtue, he calls it, the golden nugget of skill.
1: We also shared the work of psychologist Mary Piper, who describes the cult of thinness and the cult of beauty, particularly aimed at young females, and the damage it could begin to do to a girl's self-perception. Boys also feel the impact, but they have an additional pressure of the tough guys, a mask of toughness that some describe as toxic masculinity, when males are socialized out of expressing their full range of emotions. The advances of technology and social media have magnified both the intensity and the amount of exposure to these negative pressures. If you'd like to learn about earlier developmental stages, you'll find those episodes at our website, personalpowercommongood.com.
0: Rethinking or reclaiming your personal power, it's it's a job. It can be confusing, challenging, and tender work. So, in each episode, we feature a self-awareness activity to guide you and a self-care tip to foster self-love. The self-awareness activity in episode 6 was to look at five ways that you may have been labeled, either positively or negatively. As a result of the powerful external influences of media, peers, family, school, and religion. Yeah, and
1: I hope the worksheet exercise left left you feeling a little bit lighter. You know, that you're taking strength from the positive labels and literally tossing the negative ones away.
0: Yeah, that was a good exercise. <laughs> Our self-care tip invited listeners to try unplugging from all technology for 24 hours. Get off that grid for a bit and just enjoy what is right in front of you. Now, speaking for myself, this feels super hard because so much of my business is online, but that is probably the best reason of all for me to take a tech break.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And because we want to help you help others, each episode includes ways that you can be a catalyst for personal power in your own circle of influence. For last week's 10 to 13 year olds, one idea is to counterbalance negative societal messages by having real family dinners. That's simple. At least three times a week. No television, no electronics of any kind. No one, not even adults, touches a phone until dinner is over. Connect old school.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, in today's episode, we begin to discover Erickson's fifth stage of psychosocial development, which is identity versus role confusion. This stage encompasses the ages of 13 to 21, but that's a huge range, and we're going to break that down. Today, we'll focus in this episode on ages 13 to 15. In the United States, this is typically the middle school or very early high school years. The unique stresses of life in this 21st century that we touched upon in the last episode Certainly do not, do not get any easier for this age group. The exposure to sex and violence intensifies, both on the video screen and in real life. To introduce today's topic, consider this question. Thinking back to middle school, how did your self-esteem, the way you feel about yourself, and your self-concept? the way you think about yourself, change, stagnate, or develop?
1: Well, my personal world suffered multiple earthquakes of destruction and confusion during the middle school years. I lived in the same house from the ages of 2 to 12, so most of my childhood friends were peers that started in the same school as kindergartners, and we completed sixth grade together. But the summer before we would start middle school, my family moved to the city next door. No one asked me. (laughs) It, It may well have been the country next door. It was considered a move up as the new city was more affluent. My parents moved from the lower middle working class to probably the solid middle class. But I moved from Wonder Girl, the group leader, to new in town, invisible outsider. It was rough.
0: Ouch! Such a hard age for so many big changes. But your story leads us perfectly into our two essential questions.
1: Right. In each episode, we explore these two essential questions to deepen thought and reflection. As educators, we offer them as a learning guide, something specific to achieve or to understand during our time together.
0: In this episode, our two essential questions are these. One. What kinds of support and coping mechanisms did you develop to help yourself navigate the middle school years? And number two, how did your own middle school experience shape your adult self?:
1: Yeah, and thank goodness I was lucky enough to have external sources of support and encouragement that really helped me retain my sense of agency. Sources that actually began much earlier in my life. When I was six, I started dancing school. When I was eight, I started drum and bugle corps, and I owe both of these supports. I got to give a shout out to my mom because she's the one that drove me to classes or rehearsals. She paid for them, and she allowed me the freedom to develop my tribe, you know, in multiple ways. My dad was in the picture and one of the sources of family income, so he contributed indirectly. But it was considered women's work to manage the children. And one of the tremendous benefits of these two activities is that I had an alternative source of peers. That had not involved my school. And as the new kid on the block in seventh grade, I did not have existing relationships from early, le- early years like most of the kids in junior high. A male classmate decided to adorn me with the lovely nickname of Beaker because he thought I had a big nose. He publicly created and announced a physical defect that made me feel less pretty, less acceptable, less normal, at least in my own mind. And that stuck with me for a wicked long time.
0: Mm, I feel you. Yeah. Some girl called me horse face. And although it happened once, only once, it seeped into how I looked at myself, judged my looks negatively because of that for a very long time. Now, you know, thinking about the comparison, I should have actually said, why, thank you.
1: <laughs> it's just incredible though, that even a one-time event, yeah, you know, can have so much power over you.
0: Seriously, I mean that was 50 years ago, and I still remember it. So I know it. Yikes! There is an
1: important difference between my extracurricular activities and what many young teens experience today. I had things to do, but I was not overscheduled to the point of exhaustion. You know, people of all ages need time to simply be, to rest. You know, the pace and stressors of modern life can torpedo young people's ability to cope emotionally. We've seen an increase in mental health issues for children of all ages, Mm -hmm. both pre and post the COVID pandemic. So caregivers need to work hard to shield young teens from adult issues and give them some freedom to determine their own lives. Is playing multiple sports in every season reasonable? Is it even what your young teen really wants to do? And if your 15-year-old wants to dye her hair purple, will that really hurt her chances of life to succeed? (laughs) Is it really your call? It is her hair, after all. You know, this is an age when young teens begin to develop their own worldview, and it may be dramatically different than their parents' or caregivers' version.
0: This is also an age when some youth begin to explore their own sexuality. No matter how hard caregivers may try, (laughs) these new powers will not be run out of town. You don't like your daughter's new boyfriend? Well, invite him to dinner. Get to know him as a person and let him know that you have your daughter's back. Are you wondering if your child may be gay or bisexual? It's more important than ever to maintain your status as this askable, no-judgment-zone parent. Your own religious or family upbringing shape how you feel about your own sexuality, never mind your precious child who is growing up, of course, way too fast. But as challenging as it may be, accept that your child may not think or believe what you do.
1: Absolutely. Besides the ill-timed move that really rocked my world, another major disruptor for me during this age range was the announcement of my parents' divorce after 23 years of marriage. I had no idea it was coming. And as the youngest of four children, I was often the last to know anything. And members of the family tried to shield me from the truth. That might be one reason why the truth now is so important to me, saying it and receiving it. And I was like 13 at the time, a really rough age for a young woman to lose her dad. He didn't die, but it felt as if he did. And I was not encouraged to maintain a relationship with him, which made me feel like I had done something wrong. It's interesting because there are two photos on our website of me. One when I was like 11 or so with long blonde hair and I'm all happy and smiling. The second one is me at 13, when I went to the hairdresser and literally cut all my hair off very short, like a boy. Looking at it now, I see that was a powerful statement. I think part of it was becoming the boy my dad never had and definitely becoming less desirable as a female. So I would have a reason why boys did not want to date the beaker
0: this stage, I was taking dance and playing softball and doing music. I liked each one of those things, but I sometimes wonder if as an only child, I was trying to be all the things. I was trying to literally be more children since I knew my parents had hoped for more. Hmm. They never said it. They never put pressure on me, but somehow I internalized that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's like how you knew when you were much younger that somehow boys could do more things. Right. Right?
0: (laughs) It just seeped in.
1: Yeah. Unrealistic, manufactured, mostly white, any images or ideals of beauty dominated the American media circus for centuries. Not just American either, global. Not very welcoming to the dozens of other skin tones and body types on the planet. But even as a white, blue-eyed girl with blonde hair, I never felt like I measured up or was part of those images either. I was a dancer, an athlete, a marching drum corps member playing the soprano bugle. I was in great shape, yet I always felt too fat. I remember passing out once after track because I was on a 600 per day calorie diet without an ounce of fat on me. (laughs) And that particular too fat message in my head is a little quieter now, but still very much present.
0: Wow, 600 calories a day for a teen bugling and dancing. And wow. Wasn't much. No, not enough. Well, we talked last time about how technological advances have created new markets for bullies, for predators, pornographers, for violence. And even with parental controls, children can see and hear real or enact- enacted video images that their developing minds cannot yet process or truly understand, nor can they be unseen. Mm-hmm. This is true for old, the older age group of 13 to 15 as well. This accelerated introduction to adult themes or problems can leave young teenagers feeling angry, sad, depressed, confused, anxious, no doubt it is more important than ever for adults to establish and to maintain nurturing channels of communication with children of all ages.
1: so how do you establish or maintain nurturing channels of communication especially if you didn't get them yourselves when you were growing up you didn't have a model for that. it's it's simple. continue the regular conversation at age 13 that you hopefully started at the age of 3 or 4. if it's new just start. Start the conversation, not the lecture. That's a really important point. <laughs> so far, we have shared ways to encourage the development of personal power in children. In order for this to work, the parents or adult caregivers in the children's lives have to be willing and able to let go of some of their own power. Since this is the age when youth began to articulate their own point of view, adults have to listen, not judge. Ask questions Not condemn.
0: I, I know, Stacy. I knew everything when I was that age. Oh yes, I would (laughs) tell my parents all about it, and they just smiled and nodded and (laughs) just let me go on and on. And of course, for me, that whatever that potent potent thing was in the in the moment, you know, a month later it was gone. Right. You know, I was (laughs) I was getting my wings and. I, mm-hmm. I am grateful to them for not condemning, for just yes. listening. Mm-hmm. So remember the, the four different ways to express power that we shared in episode three. We have power over, power with, power to, and power within. Understanding and implementing the differences between those four expressions of power goes a long way to building a cement bridge of proactive communication rather than one patched together with threats, yelling, or negative reactions. Unfortunately,
1: power over is the most common form found in adult-child relationships, like many relationships all over the world, including between nations. This makes sense for kids because they don't have the same level of rights as adults, and many parents still view children as their property. In fact, children still get sold to the highest bidder in too many places around the globe.
0: It also makes sense because this is a very scary time for most adult caregivers. Many young teens begin to experiment, experiment. They experiment with tobacco, vaping, marijuana, alcohol. Some become victims of social media harassment and to an extreme, even school shootings. Mm -hmm. Some become sexually active. I was one of those, seventh grade. I was inexplicably lucky, but some become teen parents who are not emotionally or financially ready to care for a child on their own, of course. The parental protection instinct yells, lock them up and throw away the key. We have to keep them safe. But like most any of us would, youth at this age rebel against oppressive structures and rules that do not allow them to explore their own identity.
1: Thankfully, there are more collaborative ways to exercise power that don't involve stomping on someone else. And one of them is power with. And it's a great place to start the transition of power from middle school age youth. There's a great parenting quote that I believe and have shared many times. It is simply, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Makes perfect sense. And when I think about it, this actually applies to all kinds of relationships but it's especially true for children of all ages. And one of the best intentional nurturing ways to show them how much you care is with the concept of the emotional bank account. I love this. this. Is, I know, yeah. it's, it's such a powerful thing. It's described by parent, educator, and author, Stephen Covey. And you may have heard of the seven habits of highly effective people or families or individuals, organizations, teams. They apply to all ages and all walks of life.
0: So. The emotional bank account, it works just like a regular bank account. There are deposits, there are withdrawals throughout the day. Typically, the more deposits you have in the bank, the better. In this case, deposits are in the form of kind actions, words of praise, rides to the mall, and so on. Withdrawals, as you may imagine, are unkind actions, words of ridicule, arbitrary punishments that impede peer relationships and so on. In the Seven Habits book about families, Covey outlines what he calls a day's input to a teen. Check it out. Does this sound like your family? It starts off with multiple shouts to get up for school, then reprimands for the forgotten trash to the curb, negative comments on the clothes, and it just goes downhill from the start of the day throughout the day until bedtime. Constant withdrawals from the emotional bank account are the opposite of power with, and they only really serve to block healthy communication between adults and youth. Imagine if you only received negative feedback from your boss or from your partner, how likely would you be to reach out to ask questions or to admit mistakes?
1: Not at all. I'd be walking out the door. (laughs) (laughs) With a slam. Right. And much like The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits books are great to put on any gift list, either to receive or to give to others. They've really helped us as individuals, family members, and colleagues. That's right. We've, We've seen the positive effect their insights and effective strategies have had on many people throughout the years. Gratefully, we learn, we evolve, and human development is a lifelong process of change and adaptation with the ability to improve with awareness, training, and practice. Whatever the circumstances of your personal life history, you can examine the past. You can move on to a different kind of future by looking within and committing to positive change.
0: With that in mind, let's revisit this episode's two essential questions. First, what kinds of support and coping mechanisms did you develop to help yourself navigate the middle school years? And two, how did your own middle school experience shape your adult self? As you reflect more on our essential questions, we want you to know this. First. How we perceive our own appearance, body image, sexuality, and self worth as deep family roots steeped in expectations of culture, gender, place, and time.
1: And it is possible to cultivate positive communication channels with middle school age children if adults are willing to let go of power over tactics.
0: And the emotional bank account definitely contains the greatest riches of all.
1: No doubt. So an action step until next time, and to deepen your understanding and self-awareness, remember yourself as a growing adolescent from the ages of 13 to 50. Think about a situation or an experience between you you and an adult that you would change if you could go back in time. What would you say? What would you do differently? What do you wish the adult had done or said differently? No matter what level of artistic skills you have, draw the situation with stick figures, old photos, talking heads, whatever works for you, and rewrite that script as six panes of a cartoon or graphic novel. You're in charge of the content, and you're in charge of the ending. Check out the cartoon strip worksheet at our website, personalpowercommagood.com, for a simple graphic to get you started.
0: As you're thinking deeply about your life, um, this can, and you're cultivating, of course, more self-awareness, this can bring up some uncomfortable feelings. So you you need to, and in fact, you deserve to take care of you along the way.
1: Yeah, you have to, actually. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) Nurture the nurturer. So each episode, we share ways you can pay it forward to become a positive catalyst for a happier, better, and more loving world. One person at a time. Today's suggestions on how to be a positive influencer of personal power for middle school age children are these continue with the family dinners at least three times a week. Remember, no TV, no electronics of any kind. Be prepared with a question that everyone has to answer and rotate the responsibility for the question among all family members.
0: Encourage sports participation for girls. This increases their perception of their bodies as power tools of agency, rather than simply as a, something to decorate or a means to attract boys or other girls for romantic relationships. And
1: lastly, this is tough. Accept <laughs> the fact that they are sexual beings, whether they choose to have sex or not at the time. Talk to them about the physical, the mental, and the emotional aspects of sex birth control, stds, etc. this is a must. answer the questions honestly and remember, i don't know, let me find out for you is a perfectly good reply, much better than a made up answer.
0: <laughs> absolutely. well listen, if you take a step toward the common good, maybe having a eureka moment in your self-care or in your role as a positive influencer from what you heard in this or any episode Tell us about it. Please drop us a note, post on the discussion board at personalpowercommongood.com. We absolutely love hearing from you.
1: One of the best parts of doing this. <laughs> yep. Your thoughts, your thoughts really matter and your words really matter and you matter. As part of every episode, we share words of wisdom from someone who inspires us. In this episode honors the words of minister and childhood defender Fred Rogers who said Human relationships are primary in all of living. When the gusty winds blow and shake our lives, if we know that people care about us, we may bend with the wind, but we won't break.
0: Nice. Love that. Thank you, Fred. And that's a wrap on episode seven of Personal Power for the Common Good. We hope you'll join us next time. Of course, we hope you join us every time. But next time, we'll continue with Erickson's identity versus role confusion stage of human development, this time with a focus on ages 16 to 19.
1: Hey, thanks for listening. If thoughts have popped up that you'd like to share or you have any questions or there's something you'd like to learn more about, we want to know. Contribute to the discussion board, like Diane said, at Personal Power, CommonGood.com, where all our episodes are stored.
0: We sure hope you're finding value here and ask that you help us spread the word about our podcast. Listeners can find us on all the streaming outlets and, of course, at our website, where you'll also find the weekly worksheets.
1: I'm Stacey Randall-Shaheen.
0: And I'm Diane Amelia-Reed.
1: We appreciate you and look forward to our ongoing and ever-evolving conversation on personal power for the common good. Change your life. Change the world.